1975, um, my um, folks were in a battle between each other. They were in a, a, a situation where they were getting a divorce. And so we were about to become a separated family. It was a very difficult time in, in all of our lives. And during that time, my, uh, my mom um, had a Christian friend and she was invited to go to a Bible study that was a part of a church that, that she was involved in. And so she went and in that time she had given her life to Jesus. And so she was starting to find out about the things of God for the very first time in her life. And, and all this was brand new to her. And then um, my, my dad, had, he was working at Roadway Express in Rockford, Illinois at the time. And his, one of his co-workers there had been a Christian for many years and had been witnessing to my dad and telling him about the Lord and, and um, expressing to him that he needs Jesus in his life and, and invited him to church, invited him to church. And my dad would always decline. And finally, my dad cussed him out one day, as the story goes, and says, "Look, I I appreciate you know you 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 know you your your religion and all that. That's great," he said. But blankety blank, get off my back! You know you're just rubbing me the wrong way. And y'all didn't talk like that when you wasn't saved, did you? Look at all these saved people before they even got saved. I love it. And so uh, y'all just smile a little bit. You're just making me nervous up here. You're just looking at me, just sort of staring at me. Everybody okay? I don't believe you, but we're going to get there, praise God. By the way, the very first song we sang today was a, uh, our own original, praise God. Our team wrote that, and um, I think we're going to be recording that soon. That'll be out there on iTunes and all the good stuff. You can get it, but uh, very, very talented. That's number four, correct? Number four, and I, I think that was just, whew, that was a good one. So make sure you uh, remember that. When we get that recorded, we'll let you know all about that. But great, great, great talent and anointing our team. But anyways, um, so finally, uh, my dad um, um, uh, said, look, I don't want to hear this anymore. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm thankful for, I'm bringing this up for a purpose. Because I'm thankful for committed, faithful Christians who are not afraid of the lost, who knows what's good for them, whether they know it or not, and knows when God's dealing with somebody. And, and sometimes when somebody gets really frustrated and aggravated with you, it's only because uh, they're being dealt with by, by God and, and they don't want to turn. And that was happening with my dad. Of course, he was miserable because he was in a place where my mom and him were breaking up, but it was just a, just a difficult time. And I was seven, my, my sister was six uh, years old. And so, um, and uh, uh, finally, one day, uh, this, his name was Lloyd, and Lloyd went to my dad and said, uh, look, Jerry, I know you get upset when I ask you, but, you know, we got this special thing that's happening this Sunday at our church. Man, I really appreciate it if you would come and maybe bring your family, the whole thing. And to his surprise, Lloyd's surprise, my dad said, yes. Now, my dad wasn't living at the house at the time. He called my mom and said, hey, look, I was invited to go to church a little church called South Main Baptist. It was on South Main Street in Rockford. And um, and anyways, and would like to know if maybe you and the kids would like to join me uh, for a church. I told them that I would go. She said yes. Of course, she'd gotten saved. I don't think she was ready to reconcile with my dad yet at the time, but she got saved and she was excited about the fact that he was looking to go to church. And so we all went to church that Sunday. And that Sunday morning, 
Uh, my dad knelt at that little altar, that little Baptist church, and gave his life to Jesus. Complete, total transformation. Um, they, my, they got back together. Um, that week it was a complete uh, 180 in, a, in, a, in, in their lives of the Pruitts. I mean, my dad was a, he was a drinker. All the alcohol went down the drain. Um, started reading his Bible. And of course, as a seven-year-old kid, and you see the breakup of your parents and how this is coming back together again, and the common denominator is Jesus, you know, this is very, this is very influential on a child. And so um, I remember that he'd been excited to go to church the next week, and we all went together as a family. And uh, that Sunday morning, sitting back there somewhere in that little, little section I was at, and the pastor said, I know there's somebody here today who wants to give their life to Jesus, and nobody was coming, nobody was coming. And I won't tell you the whole story, but I had, a, I had an encounter with God. I heard the voice of the Lord at a, seven years of age. I heard him, and, and, and I, I, I raised my hand and to give my life to Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, he said, young man, come on down here. And I came down here, and he called for my parents to come down here. And I cried like a baby, and he, he turned me around in the front pew. And uh, there's where I gave my life to Jesus that Sunday morning. And that night was water baptism night. And me and my dad both got water baptized that same night in 1975. So I will tell you, I will tell you that somebody had the courage Somebody had the courage to say that they, 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 they weren't going to give up on somebody else that they were believing God for, had the courage to tell them about Jesus. Just touch your neighbor and say, I, I'm not complete without you. Just say, it. I'm not complete. With now tell your other neighbor, I need you, man. I need you, man. The title of my message this morning is Let's Get Together. Father, we love you. We thank you. Your presence is felt in this place. Lord, the right people at the right time are in this house. Uh, those watching us online, God bless each and every one of them, Father, and that they would also feel and know this message is for them. We, we yield to you now, Holy Spirit, me in particular, to preach and teach your word, Lord God, those things that I've studied, but also those things that I have not. The things, Lord God, that you want to say to your people. Prophetically speak through me, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I receive your anointing to do so in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. Matthew 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It wasn't because Jesus didn't know who he was. He was curious as to what they heard and what they understood. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the one that was promised of, told of old that would come to be the savior of mankind. It also means Christ. People think of him as his last name, Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. It's his title. It means the anointed one with his anointing. You're the anointed one. You're the promised one, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, <clears throat> Blessed 
Are you Simon Barjona? For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, this is a revelation from the throne of God. This is not a man understood thing. This is not a philosophical thing or a psychological thing. This is a, a revelatory thing. You could only get this by revelation from the Father. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Again, the revelation of the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Every man and woman has to receive the revelation of who he is. Otherwise, it's just religion. You understand that. And so it, it was something that he was, he was making a mark. He said, this is a revelation. And he said, on that revelation or that truth, he called the rock, I will build my church. Everybody say church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Another form of the word hell. Um, it's a degree of hell. We could talk about that later. But the, my point is, is it's, it's referring to that. And I will give you the keys, Jesus said, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, giving us authority in two different realms. So we have authority on earth. We have authority in heaven by the things that we say. And the our actions that we give, they're loosed, the Bible says. Now, I want to say this because it's important for us. The, the church is the power of together. It is the power of together. And together we are better. Together we are stronger. Together we are mightier. Together we are more capable. Together we are more resourceful. Together we are unstoppable. The church is the ultimate plan of God for total dominance and subjugation over our enemies. And if you haven't found out by now, we have enemies called Dev the devil and his cohorts. And we were to have authority. And also the church is the incubator of worldwide revival. So if you're interested in saving souls, family members, and the whole wide world, it's about the church. It's about us getting together. Jesus said... The gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against the church. In other words, hell, hell has no authority over a unified body of believers. Now, I, I will say that, that, in fact, he doesn't have authority over the believer. We don't understand that. But there's something special that happens that a church cannot fail. The church, when I say the church, I'm talking about the unified coming together of people. Okay, uh, The church coming together as believers cannot fail. Absolutely impossible because he is given, he builds it upon the rock, and he gives us the keys of the kingdom of heaven and earth. So we are, when we're unified, we have strength. And if there is, is a crime or there's rape or there's murder or injustice or 17 people shot in Deer District or what have you, it's because the people of God are not being unified and coming together and becoming a collective. It's about that, church. In other words, it's, it, it does not affect, the fact that it remains is not about being a lone ranger in the body of Christ. It's people coming together because there's power in our unity. Somebody say amen to that. And this is truth. Ephesians 6, 12 says... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are degrees of authority in the spiritual realm or in the, in the kingdom of darkness. There, there are principalities, there's powers, rulers, there's a wickedness in high places. But it's time we as the church come together and take our authority over our city and stop these petty reasons and excuses as to why we can't see 
seem to unify. It's like everything else unifies, but the body of Christ. I wish I could get two people in this place to shout and give God some praise. It's time for us to come together as the people of God. Well, I'm, I'm just too tired. Well, I'm, I'm just too busy. Well, you know how it is. It just is what it is. The preacher preaches too long, and he's way too loud. Ha. The music is too fast. There's not enough praise. There's not enough worship. There's not enough praying. There's too little praying. Uh, the church is all the way on the south side. Uh, they, 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 all they do is talk about money. It's too cold outside. It's too hot outside. I, my hair don't look right. I don't know what you, your excuses are. Your excuses. That's what Jesus is going to say about some of you, by the way, about, about the cold and the hot, praise God. He said, one day you'll come before me, and he'll say, are you cold or hot? And if you're lukewarm, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It's time for us to make up our mind. What, what direction are we going to live our life? Are we in or are we out? Listen, folks, it's time we rid ourselves of the excuses and come together for such a time as this to kick the devil up out of our churches, get him up out of our schools, get him up out of our public square, our social discourse, and begin lifting up a shout of defiance against our enemy and shout a praise unto God, unto the Lord. Do we have some shouters in the house this morning? Come on. Jesus said in John 15, 4 and 5, abide in me and I in you. Let's come together. I'm the vine, but you're the branches. I need you. You need me more than I need you because the life is in the vine, but we need one another to produce the fruit. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying, let's get together. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. A fruitless life is a frustrated life. The reason why people get frustrated is because they're not bearing fruit. And the reason why we don't bear fruit is because we're not connecting to the vine. We're not coming together. Y'all don't didn't hear it. And he is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ, amen, somebody, coming together to do what? To be able to bear much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Nobody's going to argue that. Look at Luke, Luke, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 14, verse number seven, please. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. We're not to live our lives for just us. Amen? It's not just about what I'm going to do, what I want to do. That's the American religion. Get that American cult religion out of your spirit. That's not who you are. God designed us to come together as the body of Christ, a many-membered body, each feeding one another. I need my eye. My eye needs my, 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 uh, my, my smell. My smell needs my taste. Everything comes together. Amen. What, what, what does that mean for no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself? It's talking about isolation and exclusivity is not God's will for our lives. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. God, he wants the house to be filled with light. He wants the world to be filled with light. But notice how God does this. It's exciting because he doesn't ask just you to do it by yourself or me to do it by myself. But the Bible says, nor do they light a lamp. 
Evidently, there's something about the fact that God says, I don't want just one person lighting lamps. I want they, I want them to come together. They conveys the idea of more than one. More than one is what God has in mind. And Nehemiah's rebuilding of the wall. We see this, we study that, and it's an amazing study. And I've broken that apart over the years, the first four chapters, and, and, and how it uh, systematically, uh, how we can um, start the church and grow the church. And it's all about, really about, it's a, it's a prophetic look about the church. And it is amazing. And one of the things that happened in Nehemiah was he, he viewed the broken down walls of Jerusalem after he was told about it. And he's just nothing but a cupbearer. And yet God begins to burn in his spirit that he's the one that he's going to use to build this wall back up because there had been terrible breaches in the wall where the enemy could come in and attack. And so he wept about it and he wanted to do something about it. And the Bible says he began to get the people together. He got them together to all come together in one accord. No longer everybody going, what am I going to do about it? It's not about what I'm going to do about it. It's what we are going to do about it. The collective, us using our gifts and talents and putting them together. And the Bible says in Nehemiah's day, they had a heart and mind to work. They had a heart and mind to work. And it's so powerful because there's power in the they. Jesus said, they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Doing life together is the power of they. Living a Christian life with God is not just about me, it's about we. Let's say it together. Say it's not about me, it's about we. 1 Corinthians 1.10 goes so far as to say, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Get into unity. Get into a rhythm where everybody's moving and saying the same thing and moving in the same direction, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together. Everybody say, Together that you would be joined together perfectly in the same mind and in the same judgment. In other words, you're making the same judgment calls. What bothers one person bothers everybody. What's being judged by God, you stay away from that. That's what it's, it's talking about. So together in the same mind, the same heart, in the same judgment, we're walking and working together. All right? So when you gave your life to Jesus, you put your faith in him and you became a born-again child of God or a born-again believer. What's significant about that is found in Acts chapter number 2, where it says in verse 37, and by the way, this is where Peter preaches the message of salvation, and he says, uh, it says then, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Preach salvation to them. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted to them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, 
to them. Who is them that were added to the church? This was the beginning of the church in Jerusalem. They were instantly added to an existing group of people in that city. Uh, we could call it the first church of Jerusalem or whatever we want to say it. But it was the first church. Everybody look at me for a second. They were organized. Now, I know people seem to hate organization, especially when it comes to the church. And they'll say, I just hate organized religion. People say stuff that they don't even know what they're talking about because they heard somebody else say it. And they go, that sounds kind of good. I hate, as if Jesus Christ walked the earth and had no organization in his ministry whatsoever, just walked around looking for a crowd to preach to, started preaching to people and things started happening. There was abs- he, had seven, he had 12 people that worked for him. They had their families. Then the Bible talks about the, the, the 50 and then the 500 people. And they went before him in every city setting up the meeting for the next city. This is what they did. There was organization. It makes no sense to say that they don't like organization. If you want to win in baseball, you organize. If you want to win in basketball, come on, Bucks, amen, amen, you organize. If you want to have a successful business, you organize. What is, what, what is a hospital? It's the organization of medical practitioners and medicine. Thank God for hospitals being organized. What about an orphanage? It's the organization of caring people for children. What is your body? It's the organization of cells functioning together called you. The church must be organized in order to fulfill the mandate of Jesus Christ. And, and church, it means the word church in the Greek, it means ecclesia or the called out ones. Where? To the gates of the city. The called out ones to the gates of the city. So it, it shows action. The church is to show action. It's not to be us four and no more. It's not to be the four walls of the church and this is where we're secluded and feel the best. This is the beginning point. This is where we're taught. This is where we're trained. But we're to go out into the gates where all the other people happen to live. Somebody say amen. Is this thing on this morning? Come on, y'all. It's about coming together for a common purpose. I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I feel the rebellion of people, not you, I'm just saying, in the, in the spirit, want to rise up saying, but I want to do what I want to do. That's not how we get things done. You can get some fruit, but if you want to bear much fruit, you've got to come together. The ecclesia. I've got to be called out to go into the city and be able to do what God has called the church to do. There can be no doubt that the New Testament is replete with examples of the unifying of God's people for fellowship, for relationship, for encouragement, accountability, for instruction, vision, help, aid, yes organization, uh, strategy, corporate purpose, the heavenly calling, mobilization, deployment for ministry of the gospel, teaching and credibility all come from the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
not to perfect men, but to a perfect man, one, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. It's time to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. This is the will of the Father that we come together. Your schedule must begin to change in this new year. This is a new era with God. You've got to give God your time. You've got to give God your talent and you've got to give God of your treasure. This is what the church is all about. The Muslim religion is now beginning to grow and grow and grow and one thing they all have in common is they have unity. You don't, look, you can't go to their mosque without giving. Oh, I got very quiet in here all of a sudden. Now I got your attention. Why? Because that's that mammon becomes our God. Mammon means money. I feel like, I don't know what's going on here this morning, but I feel like I got to teach you and teach you and teach you, teach you. Maybe that's what we need to be doing. Mammon means money. You understand that? And the Bible calls it a God. Come on, elder, help me out a little bit in the front row. I'm going to need some help from y'all. Y'all are just looking at me. Come on, I need some help from the, the, the saved folk in the place. Pull on the gift this morning. Pull! And the fact of the matter is, is we put that above God. But the mosque, they say, you ain't coming here in here without your 10%. You just go on and go home. You're not a good Muslim if you're not a giver. You're not a good Muslim if you don't pray six, seven times a day. You're not a good Muslim if you don't come here for the men's thing and the women's thing. That, that, that's what they teach. And they put that kind of, we say Christians are free, and we are. We say God don't make you do anything, and he doesn't. But he does put certain things in his words that this is how I want you to live. And they're not for you to say, maybe, might, if I get around to it, it's a command of God. He won't make you. He wants you to be willing and obedient. Somebody say amen. But my time is more precious and valuable. Not to God, it's not. He saved you. You got up this morning and you started sucking his air for free. Hallelujah. Yeah. Bible says that from whom the whole body joined and knit together, coming together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right, look over at Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Another glimpse of the church. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take one with you, one or two, uh, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word might be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let them let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them, my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them." The ecclesia, the called out ones coming together is the church. And there is a power because Jesus said, I will be in the midst of 
them. I'll judge the situation. I'll judge what's going on. I'll bless what's going on. I'll favor is what he's trying to say. This is what the scriptures are saying, right? And so there's a, there's a protocol that's given here, but the protocol has to do with the church. These are not individual rights. This is how it works within the church. So again, we are not saved and converted to live our Christian lives alone. We are called to come together. People make up all kinds of excuses why not to come and to go to church. Uh, this, this would be a common objection. Well, you know, they're all hypocrites over there. They're all, how, I've heard that one a thousand times. They're all hypocrites. And I look at the person that says, you're the biggest hypocrite I've ever met in my life. But they're all, they're all the hypocrites. There's a bunch of cliques over there. Well, they're unloving over there. They're non-inclusive over there. You know, they all think that they're better than everyone. And there's lots of excuses. Look, the idea of church is not a man-made ideology that we can get out with an excuse. Amen. It's God's idea. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I didn't pick you. You didn't pick me. We're just the family of God trying to get along. Somebody say Amen. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, but this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can you get along with your brother and your sister? Instead of saying, well, they're this and they're that. And all of us can do that. We can all do that and say, I'm not going to go to church because I'm tired of these people. I get you sometimes. I, I tell God sometimes, I, early on, I said, Lord, I, I, I love your ministry. It's the people I, I'm having a hard time with, you know. <laughs> but then you realize the people are the ministry. Amen. It's not the things you do. It's the people, right? Can we all just get along together? It's also interesting to note that 90% of the New Testament was written to and about the local church, Right? So if you're not a part of the local church, it doesn't apply. But it, it's supposed to apply. It's written to us. There's no better idea or concept for the church than that which was laid out by the word of God um, in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 5, 4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when, not if, when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an insinuation that the people just understood. You go to the house of the Lord. Let, let me give you a few more common objections for not going to church. Um, one, I can get just as much from uh, God staying at home watching online as I can in my local church or any local church. Well, the truth is we need both. We need both. Because going online means we're reaching and touching people that could never get here. People that live out of state. People that live in, are shut in. People that are in prison. People, wherever the, that computer screen can reach them or that, these, these, these lines of communication can reach them, social media, this is how they're going to get the gospel preached. So we need that, but that's not God's best program. God's best program is for you that are watching to be in the house of God if at all you can do it. If you can't, you can't. But if you can, that's God's best program. Um, also, number two, it's not where we meet, people will say sometimes, with, with God that's important, but how we, meet, how we meet with God that's important. Not where we meet, but how we meet that's important. Again, that's true but incomplete because both are important. Where we meet's important, how we meet is important. Psalms 92.13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God, right? So God expects us to be planted, where? In the house. And if we're planted, then we will what? Flourish. If we're not planted, guess what? We can't be fruitful. We can't multiply. Again, there comes the frustration. 
And if we're going from one church to the next church, I like all these churches in Milwaukee or wherever you happen to live. I like all these churches. So I'm going to go to all these different pastors and all these different uh, congregations. Um, it sounds good, but in reality, you're a transplant. So you're moving, you're, you're, you're laying down roots for one week and then uprooting and going to another place for another week. What happens if you begin to transplant something multiple times? Anybody know? It dies. Exactly right. It dies. Because it just can't. It seems like it would be a good, good idea. Put it in fresh soil every day. It'll get something fresh every day. But the truth is, the Bible says, just like the, the, like, like the plant, just he's likening it to us. When you plant yourself into something, it will flourish. If you begin to uproot yourself over and over, it will die. Another objection is, oh, I'm just too busy. Uh, now, the problem here isn't too many activities as much as it is wrong priorities. Are you setting a proper priority over your life? Um, I have found that what, whatever people enjoy, that's what they choose to do. If you don't enjoy the house of God, you're not going to do it. If you don't enjoy the word of God, you're not going to read it. If you don't enjoy praise and worship, you're not going to listen to it. If you don't enjoy prayer, you won't do it. So you find, you find I find that discipline can move to delight. So if God tells me that this is something you're supposed to do, I discipline myself to do it. And discipline then moves into a place of delight. After a while, I begin to delight myself. I can't wait to go do this. Now all of a sudden, my taste buds begin to change. I enjoy this prayer. I enjoy reading my word. I enjoy going to the house of God. Think of it. Have you ever called up your boss and said, look, I'm just going through a real spiritual battle right now. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to make it in today. Nobody in this room has done that. Even if you're in a spiritual battle, you just wouldn't do that, right? And you certainly wouldn't go, well, you know, I've been, I've been really been, oof. I'm just going to be honest with you, boss. Uh, I can't make it in. I might not even make it in this month because I'm really struggling. The devil's really been beating me up this month, and it's been just a tough time for me. And so I'm just going to have to get before God. But I just can't make it in right now. It's just been a tough season. How long do you think you're going to keep that job for? Why do we treat them in the world better than we do God's house? Because when we get a spiritual battle, it ought to be the first place we come to. But how come I hear all the time, I've been really going through it. I'm, I love the claps I'm getting right now. They're golf claps. Y'all ain't helping me today. Y'all got up last night and said, look, look I mean, call me. Like, Let's just give Pruitt a hard time tomorrow. Come on. It'll be funny. It'll be really funny. Y'all organize this. But, but it's the truth, right? We wouldn't do that. But I hear it all the time as a pastor for many years. Um, I can't make it in right now. I've just, been, just, I've just been going through a real spiritual time right now. I just can't make it. I'm thinking, what? Are you kidding? That's the place you need to be. Amen? It's just another excuse we make. And they may not be because you don't want to be there as much as you feel it's what you're supposed to do, but it's the wrong decision to make. It's like telling your children, um, you're grounded. And, and, and they said, well, it's Thursday night, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, uh, aftermath has got the deal. No, I told you you're grounded. All you want to do is hang out with your friends there anyway, so you're grounded. Why would you ever ground your child from going to the house of God? What you're doing is you're saying we punish you from going into God's house or to being with God's people. That should not be, that ought to be the one thing, you go, I'll release you for that. But as soon as you get home, no more, you ain't, you're going right to your room, Right? Now, you can do that if you want to. That's fine. But why would we do that? Yet we see it all the time, all the time. Well, 
People, uh, when, they, when they begin, their spiritual levels are so low, they begin to lack commitment to God's house and make op- optional uh, ways rather than being saying, no, this is what God wants me to do, right? Let me make this statement. Gathering together with God's people for church is a discipline of the flesh that will cause life and vitality to flow to you and your family for generations in ways you could not achieve by yourself. When we come together, there's something about there's something about your children driving with you to the house of God, preparation to be in the house of God. There's something about them uh, hearing like we, my wife told that testimony about our grandchild and 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 they're they're her parents teach them about it, but also they get it in the house of God, whether it's through the Sunday school or they'll hear, uh, hear their grandpa talk about it. My point is, is that uh, we're, we're setting up the stage for the next generation. Amen. Amen. I, I am now hearing secular people that I listen to from time and time again. I enjoy them. They're either entertainers or whatever. And I'll listen to them. And I'm hearing people, they don't know God. In fact, in their past, they have been more uh, antagonistic toward God. And I've noticed the older they get, the more they start talking like this. You know, I don't go to church, but I can understand why people do. And they start citing the same things I'm preaching because it builds community with people. It makes them stronger. They'll, I heard this one guy say this the other day. He said, and I get it because we are better when, we're our, when we are together. When everybody's going toward a goal, we're stronger. We're able to achieve it faster. He said, I get the reason why people. Now, they don't get the spiritual part of it yet, but they get the connection of why people do it in the first place. And that's the world. Yeah, we got a large percentage of our, of our people since COVID that has made a decision. They're not going back to the house of God. And I don't understand how when you look in the news and you see the world literally falling apart and Jesus at any moment could come back. I don't believe he's coming back today, but I, I don't know. I could, I, I, look, I could be wrong. So could you, praise God. You know how I, I know it could be wrong? Because Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour. But I'm just saying, but we're living literally in the last days where we should be getting closer to God and people are being so casual. I mean, I, that's, not some, I didn't, that's not how I was raised, praise God. I was raised live for God because you don't want to be caught in a time where Jesus comes back and you're not. Amen. And amen. Lastly, I will say this to you. Isaiah 65, 8 says, Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. The wine, new wine, is found where? In the cluster. Not in the grape but in the cluster of grapes. It's God saying, I, I, I want to do something new in the earth and I'm going to do it through a collective. I'm not going to do it through one. I'm going to do it through all. I'm not going to do it through ye. I'm going to do it through we. All people coming together saying, we're going to do this for the common good for God and we're going to see God do some incredible things. Somebody say amen.